Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to iTunes and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Today on the show, I talked to Chris Canedo, a primary literacy volunteer currently serving in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I was fortunate enough to talk with him while he's still in country because as he's wrapping up his second year, he's actually preparing to extend for a third year. We talk about his big projects that he's completed, how he's integrated with the community, and then playing rugby, a sport that he loves while he's serving in the Peace Corps. I think you guys will really enjoy the story and gain a better appreciation for what it means to be a volunteer. This episode is definitely going to be great for anybody looking into the Peace Corps. Well, without further delay, here's the show. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Chris Canito, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well, doing very well out here in St. Vincent and the Grenadines on this lovely Friday evening. Yeah, this is this is pretty fun actually being able to uh, Skype and interview someone who is you know still a volunteer, uh, still out in the field. Yeah, definitely still out in the field. I'm glad the uh, Wi-Fi was working today because we were planning on going for a hike in the rain. Usually when it rains, we we get we lose the we lose the current, we lose the Wi-Fi. So pretty lucky for now. But uh, yeah, things are going well in the village today. Uh-huh. Very low key, very low key day, summer day. <laughs> very cool. Schools at yeah. So before we really get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the interview, what do you want to let everybody know? Let all the listeners know about you, your service, just anything you'd like to share. Yeah, that's a bigger, that's a big question. But uh, yeah, so my name is Chris Canito. I am serving with the EC Group eighty seven. That's and that is Eastern Caribbean Group eighty seven. And I'm with the Primary Literacy Project. So. The only groups in the EC and that the project right now, and that is Dominica, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, and Grenada. All the projects for is under is under literacy education for the next six years, and there's some Peace Corps response uh, posting. But I've been here. I came in um, June 2015, and I'm actually extending my service. So if I was not extending my service, I'd actually be having to like clean up my house right now, and kind of closing, kind of getting to because we, we had our COS conference um, in the beginning of May or middle of May, and so I've been here for over two years now in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, a lovely, lovely country. And um, I'm just getting ready right now. Summer holidays started about a week ago, and then it was the carnival season. Carnival actually ends. If you want to talk about that, <laughs> carnival ends the school year. And then right, basically right now, my girlfriend's gotten to visit. Um, getting ready to get some summer camps, summer projects. But mostly, I'm trying to. I'm getting ready to, to basically uh, get work done on the grant. The big reason, the meat and potatoes, of why I'm going to be here for another year. Don't just love staying here in the community, but that's a whole other. 
that's a big reason why I'm staying um, onto my project within my village of South Rivers here in St. Vincent is to continue the literacy project within the school with the teachers and the students. So they're teaching literacy, and you said you made a brief mention of a grant that you're working on right now. Yeah. Uh, what's that for? Uh, so there's a grant, um, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. The main, there's the mainland of St. Vincent, and then there's the Grenadines, which are about 30, this is a little background, 30 islands, some of them uninhabited, um, some of them public, and then some of them privately owned. And so mm -hmm. one of the ones that's privately owned is actually called Mustique, and they have a charitable trust. And if you've ever heard of the island Mustique, that's where people like Bill Gates, that's where people like Mick Jagger are. They run a foundation, and so it's kind of crazy. And it's it, that's I've, you can't you can't publicly go there, but they have it's it's almost like two different planets within the, the same like ten mile island region. And so they run a really powerful. Uh, and I, I don't speak in representative of them, but they run a very power like a very well to do uh, charitable organization. And if you're lucky your school or your project can connect with them. So we're trying to connect with them to basically uh, help fund a literacy program that I helped design with some teachers and a local community member. And that kind of popped up just opportunity-wise. Just, I mean, I know uh, it's probably when you were a volunteer, they, the, the key the key word they always throw is integration, integration, integration. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it just came about um, just being like the reality of uh, the stuff that's happening in my school and the communities, the ups and downs. Um, a lot of opportunities came about towards the end of my would-be service that really made it clear and if like what the goal with the three goals in the Peace Corps you always want to lend some credence towards sustainability so like I know in my heart of hearts if I was to leave a lot of this stuff would fall through mm -hmm. and that's where reasons good that's where reasons good and bad but just the reality of uh, my the intricacies of the community I live in wonderful wonderful communities but it definitely um, has some very uh, some big, some big detriments, whether it's with the educational system or just with like the level of uh, some of the levels of uh, the livelihoods here of some of the people and the students. But yeah, so that's through Mustique, and then um, I'll be able to continue working with my counterpart teacher, who I'm partnered with, and then the with a committee built up and everything. So basically, we're just trying to look up. We're trying to form some funds about um, twelve thousand EC. So that's about maybe. I mean, I can do that. I have my calculator right here. That's a, that's like uh, twelve thousand. See, that's about just under five grand American. So it's really not that big in term. It's not big in the terms of the U.S. But here, something like that with this grant, it it can really lay the groundwork in. And we're trying to make a permanent library, and we're trying to basically change the uh, change the way in which this the teachers are providing literacy instruction to the kids with their daily lessons and stuff like that. And so it took about two years to figure out how to do that. So I would feel really bad if I did if I left. Not that I'm ever going to figure out how to do it 100% every day, but I knew in my heart of hearts I would feel um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be as good as a job if it could have been. And I'm very lucky that I got the support from my luck, my amazing girlfriend and my parents and my friends at home to uh, continue forward for 12 more months. But it's only going to be 12 more months. I'm not going to be here. I won't be doing. I know there's people that extend and extend and extend and extend, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And also it'll let me get into some of my uh, get into, uh, dig my teeth more into some of my other secondary projects, which I really enjoy. I completely understand. I mean, you yeah. know, what, day one, you're thinking, oh my gosh, two years, like this is, two years is a long time, yeah. and then you get to the end of two years, it's like, it's nowhere near long enough. I, I barely yeah. feel like I know anything. I, I, I yeah. halfway understand the language, and like, and stuff's just starting to work. Like, I've got these projects, and it's like, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go. I mean, I think that's sort of a, 
a universal thing that you're feeling. And it's great that you, you know, you have the support and the ability to continue that on and try to build yeah. something that's actually going to be, you know, self-sustaining with this library. Hopefully. Well, yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's the hopefully. goal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, I mean, the only thing you can do is try. I mean, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, there's people here. There's people here that've been living in the community there for 15 years, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's new to here." I was like, "He's been here 15 years. Like, where was he before?" <laughs> and so that, so that, and because there's people here that like their whole livelihoods are in this village or on this island of Saint Vincent, of within Saint Vincent, the mainland. But uh, no, I, I'm still learning, learning each and every day, and like I'm taking, I'm not taking it this experience for granted because I think if you treat it like a grind or if you treat it like a job. Or especially, I mean, when you were in you were in the Peace Corps, what twenty twelve to twenty fourteen? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, it's it's changed so much. When I came in twenty fifteen, I can't imagine what it was like. From and I, the, every Peace Corps experience is going to be different. With even within the EC, let alone within different corners of the globe. Mm-hmm. Like I had friends, one of my best friends, the Peace Corps Rwanda, and he's closing the service. And we we talk when we can, and like I it's. The difficulties I have are definitely difficulties that he has. And like I have friends that did in Mongolia, or like Lesotho, and there's a, or like Tanzania and stuff like that. And it's just like it's totally different. So I mean, it's it's, it's it gives you uh it gives me a lot of hope that like people are still going out for it though. Like the numbers are still numbers are still steadily rising, it's, and this work is needed much more than ever nowadays. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So, yeah. So so as a, a literacy volunteer. What, what does that really look, you know, day to day? Because I know a lot of people when they're thinking about Peace Corps, yeah. thinking about applying for Peace Corps, you know, they see, they see these postings of, oh, I'm going to be a health volunteer, an education volunteer, and it's pretty amorphous, and then you get on the ground and it's even more amorphous. Yeah. <laughs> but, wear, but, but for you, what, what, what is that? You wear a lot of different hats, and it's basically under the educational education project. So even as an educator in the States, I did AmeriCorps with City Year in Philadelphia before, and I was a co-teacher before that. But in college, I studied political science and art, so I had like no background. And edu- my parents were in education, and I think that helped bring it into that spectrum. But uh, here in my day-to-day, I'm tied directly to a school within my community. And so within the EC, all of the EC, the, pro- the project is primary literacy, so that's between kindergarten to grade six in primary schools. And it's um, there are response postings, and some of those uh, Peace Corps response. If people don't know what that is, at least in the cases of the people I know, they done it. it re- that like usually sets in the groundwork for another project to come in, like whether it's environmental or like youth development. And here within St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and within all the EC. This was one of the first like three original sites that the Peace Corps was in. So we just had the 50th year anniversary here. And uh, if you look at the books the, in St. Vincent, it's been everything from health to small business. And it's just what the needs of the country right now is very much literacy. And so my day-to-day, I'm tied to the school calendar. Um, and since it's you want the, the big thing is towards sustainability, I'm tied. I have a counterpart, I have a counterpart teacher that I came into. And um, she's wonderful, Miss um, Johnson. I was tied into grade two. But then also like with my experiences and you're talking about like the uh, the fluid the fluidity of service. <laughs> um, I ended up, I ended up working with um and I post grade K to six directly, whether it's like hopping in and co teaching different classes. Um, we're try we had a we have it's not a permanent library space, but it's basically a space where you had books, but there's no system tied to it really before. And so basically trying to manage that and come up from the top um, with that. And then it's really um trying to bring new techniques to the teachers because the big thing is trying to bring uh, child-friendly techniques because within um, parts of the world and especially developing parts of the world, 
um, they do use corporal punishment a lot. And it is moving, it is moving away. But as an educator within the U.S., that's definitely like, you would, ne- you would never see that. I mean, maybe 30, 10, 20, 30 years ago in certain, t- certain types of school districts and stuff like that. But within the U.S., I mean, within the, the EC, it's, it's a pretty big norm. And so trying to move teachers towards like more child-friendly, child-friendly practices. And also just like the biggest thing I'm trying to impart with that is that like um, when you invest in a child's literacy and especially like in their ability to read and comprehend and all this, like it opens up so many doors within them, but especially within a small community like this, um, you're really investing in the future players of your community, your future community leaders and stuff like that. And you can either have a lot of people that are undereducated and get involved with drugs and crime and God knows what else, or you can have people that are striving to going on through. And uh, St. Vincent has a pretty interesting, they have compulsory education through, so you can get, everyone gets in the secondary school. And the big, one of the big aims of that is like, um, the school, the best schools in the country are usually in the, in the capital of the country. And so a big aim of that is to prepare a lot of the grade six students. It's almost something that you'd see like when students in the U.S. taking the, S- the SATs, the big standardized test they take at the end of the year. And like the top, and they rank all the kids that take it. And so the kids at the very, very top um, go to the best schools in the country, and then the other kids go to the local secondary schools. And some of them are really good, and a lot of it's what you make of it. There's some very good ones. They're very good individuals, but a lot of it is a systemic issues to tie to corruption and dissonant politics and whatnot. But there's a lot of uh, very delicate pressures or intense pressures that I definitely wouldn't have been as open-minded if I didn't do AmeriCorps before this in the U.S., in Philadelphia. And that was a great experience. Um, but also just like, it, I knew it, it took two years to understand it. Cause it's like, you see kids that have to miss school cause they got to work on the farm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes some of the stuff they're farming isn't cattle. Sometimes it's weed or sometimes it's, it's some, sometimes it's backbreaking work. And the kids are, the kids are really, it shows though, like, I don't know whether it's here or the other islands I've seen or my other friends have done the Peace Corps. Like if you get to bring anything to the table, it's utterly appreciated. And like if you go in, if you go into it with the right intentions, you're not. It's not gonna be like a Disney movie. You're not gonna change the world. I mean, kids. A lot of these kids will, be, will hopefully be reading, but it, it's just I don't know. Interrupting with positive experiences along these kids' timelines, because some of these people live wonderfully beautiful lives that we don't have. We don't have. We don't get a sense of that kind of community in the U.S. But some of them live some of the toughest stuff you'll ever hear. And there are people within our own country that, that are feeling, feeling that too, whether in Philadelphia or D.C. or parts of New York and everything. I mean, I don't know. But in terms of the literacy project, I'm tied directly to the school. And so with that calendar, my summer is open now. And so the aim of that is like I'm working on the grant and working on some summer camps and stuff like that. Uh, my secondary projects, I'm involved with uh, the rugby union, Special Olympics, and a radio show. So try and mix it all up. And then... Um, Trying to do some social stuff too. Carnival was a big one that just ended, and that's a very that was a very that's a very uh, culturally important time. They're not the most culturally important time, but that's a that's a cool, very unique Caribbean and West Indian experience. That's always a fun one. But uh, in terms of my day to day, my village is really big on sports, and I'm really big on uh, there's a local gym that's constructed, so I'm usually up at like. If I'm running and stuff like that, I'm usually up at like 4:30 because it gets really hot. It gets really, really, really hot. And when my girlfriend was here last year, she was training for a marathon, and I think we made the mistake of running at like noon one day. And I said like it's gonna be really like 
that was a mistake I made when I was first living here because people were like, why are you running right now? And then I'd be dead for like a day and a half. Mm-hmm. The sun is too much. But usually uh, up and exercise or like take, cleaning the house and stuff, like making sure the house is clean and stuff like that. People have a lot of pride in like the materials, not materialistic, but like if you have something, like you keep it in good wear and tear because there's no, I mean, for instance, where I live in the island, there's no ATM except in the capital. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's like an hour, that's almost an, like two hour, if I'm lucky, if I catch a van or something like that or not walking and stuff. But uh, usually it depends on the day of the week. So up early, like exercising, getting my stuff ready for school. Uh, the school bells, the school starts at nine. So definitely later than school in the States. So school in the States as an educator, when I was in Philly, it was like, I had to be there like before seven o'clock and stuff like that. My girlfriend was a teacher in Brooklyn and she, I think she was up at like five to get to school. So you have a lot of time that you can mold in your own. So I try and use my time wisely. And so then the school day starts, um, depends on the day of the week. So like Mondays, um, it's a very big Christian culture here. And that's, I, I don't, I, nothing against that, but it's, it, 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 it very much standardizes the schedule and the less, a lot of the lesson plans. So like, say like Monday, the whole school, like morning prayer, and it's like, it eats, it eat it doesn't eat up, but it's supposed to be like a 30, 30 minute thing. It could be almost an hour. So it's like, it depends on the day. And then the school day ends at three. So it's from nine to three and they get an hour for lunch and they get a 15 minute break. So, you, and then... <laughs> So you got to get you got you really got to target your time of when you want to get the most done in your day. And the first, I mean, I remember the first couple months. It's just like you try to meet with someone, and like, all right, we'll meet tomorrow. You don't get to meet with someone for like two weeks or something, because mm-hmm. and it's not um in terms of like if anyone's listening from like education. I know when I was an, an educator in the U.S. or serving with an AmeriCorps, like you'd have staff meetings every week. You have like a monthly staff meeting. You have a monthly staff meeting here, and that might be like a two to three hour, four almost four hour meeting. It's just so, and it's just like sometimes it's like the airing of grievances. Sometimes like it's planning important stuff and everything like that. But uh, for my basic day, say after morning prayer, um, so my my service has changed a lot over the past two years when I was doing. Uh, doing a lot of diagnostic testing, a lot of finding out where these students were, and you use, use means that are both from provided from the Ministry of Education, stuff that you have from your own background, and also stuff that's provided by the Peace Corps. So if you're coming in, if you're coming into education, that's what you want to get. You want to get a baseline for all your students and such. But uh, usually it'd be like, if I was doing testing, I'd be doing testing, I was doing pullouts, um, and the first two hours in the morning, it'd be a mix between pullouts and testing and push-ins. And then usually the afternoons, um, after lunch, well, during lunch, um, five days out of the week, I would have like lunch library for the kids. And the thing, the, all this stuff on paper sounds great, but it took a really long time because a lot of the, a lot of the kids have not had hands on a book at all. So you get books that be coming back torn up or like they're covered in something that you don't, you don't want to know. You, I, I count. <laughs> You could, I could count on I could count on the hands or like I know in the states like a dog ate my homework. Well, here it's like it's pretty likely like a mouse or a rat or something ate it, ate your book or something. But that's something you don't that's something you don't expect. You think like okay, I'm gonna come in with these new lessons and I'm gonna come in with some manipulatives and we're gonna make some posters. And then you're like, oh wait, like you find that you have students, you you have students in grade two that can read at grade six they have a very sustainable home life and you find kids that are in grade six that can't read in kindergarten so you're like what do you do and some of the class some of the classes are like 
32 students, some of them are 28, some of them are like almost 40 kids. And if there's only one teacher in there, or sometimes there's teachers that are subject specific, so there's a lot of there's a lot of intricacies. So, but um, during a school day, so the day ends at three, and then maybe I stay. If it's Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd have to go catch a van to Kingstown where I'd help coach um, the national team with like the fitness and stuff, the rugby team. And then um, certain days of the month, I'm doing the radio show, and so you gotta miss a, you gotta miss a school day of that. Um, a big thing with I know that is uh, troublesome for students that are in like at risk students within the U.S. is like consistency, and so consistency here like if it, if it's raining too hard there's no school or like there's a day called salary day where you can't pay your bills online so you gotta go to the Capitol and pay all your stuff <laughs> so you have like you have like teacher you have like three teachers there or, like te- you have a, you have a lot of juggling that you and stuff like that. And it's not that the people don't, it's not that staff members don't want to communicate. It's just like those lines, that standard of professional communication isn't always in place. And then also like the standard of like the infrastructure within um, the banking systems and the systems of payment and stuff like that aren't always in place. I mean, a lot of the stuff you could call instead of, but sometimes you might not have service or sometimes you're going to run out of credit on your phone if you're trying to call for stuff like that. So it's a lot of these infrastructural bumps and stuff like that that like, you it really it i feel like it honestly took took me took two years excuse me um making a lot of mistakes to be open and honest to know like how i can tempo my day out and stuff like that but um yeah within the school day though a lot of the things i did weren't also literacy a lot of it i did a um since i have like an art background and stuff like that if teachers I mean, at first the teachers were asking me to make posters and paint classrooms, and so I was like, "That's all great, but like, I need to, you need to do other things like that too." But also, it's a, it's it's much easier to like provide a poster. It's much easier for you to, as a Peace Corps volunteer, to give like a poster to a teacher than to teach a teacher for of the 25 years. So like, hey, maybe you should temp, you should time your lesson plans, or like, you should write out your lesson plans and stuff like that. So that definitely wouldn't was not possible, like say the first month or so like that. You you find yourself doing. I wouldn't say it's wasted. It's just like it takes you time to navigate and build the proper networks within the, within the school and also within the community and such a, stuff like that. And I think a lot of my sec, honestly, like my secondary projects helped me like diffuse tension, but also like lean elsewhere when times are tough at school or times are tough within the community and stuff like that. And it, it just shows you like it's really there's not like bad days. It's really just a couple bad moments or a couple bad you can, if you can get through it and. I mean, if you have, a, I, don't, I don't know, I can't speak for the, the, the openness of time you had there, but you do find a lot of time in your hands within the Peace Corps. And, like, I think um, if you can spend it in ways that aren't just Netflix, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I know, you know, my first year was pretty slow, so I was an ag volunteer and just, yeah. and just trying to get the, the community to sort of, to, to work with me because they saw me yeah. as, a, as a white American. It's like, oh, you don't know anything about farming. It's like, well, actually, I, I grew up farming my whole life. And like, eh, yeah, no, nah, you're, you're probably from the city. We don't believe you. It's like, okay, yeah. well, so I, I just had to find something to do with my time. So actually, I ended up doing a literacy project with a bunch of oh, other, yeah, other volunteers. And we created uh, children's books in, in local nice. languages. Uh, yeah. so, so we did that. That was another project. And I actually started a, a karate club. Uh, and built built a gym that reminded me a lot of the gym that I saw in the, oh, in sweet, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the photos that you sent me. So that's yeah. that's how I occupied my time my my first year. But it really helped me get integrated into my community. So then the second year, they're like, okay, 
maybe we'll listen to you about this farming stuff you keep telling us yeah, about. Exactly. So I remember I was probably like maybe five or six weeks within my village. Not my village, within the village here. And the guy was like, so like, when are you going home? I was like, I'm not going home for a while, man. <laughs> it's like, I, I just got here. And then we yeah, ended up talking and stuff like that. But definitely, yeah, because a lot of the experience here, I mean, up here in the rural areas of uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, you really wouldn't see a white American often. They're not, the, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful country, but like the tourism industry is in no way what you'd see in like Barbados or Grenada or Dominica or St. Lucia and even through, through the upper Antilles too, because we're in the lesser Antilles right now. And uh, I mean, for one, for instance, like we just got the international airport just got opened, and it was it took them like eight years to build it. But I think it was supposed to take like four on paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was a create that that door is open now. So slow. Hopefully, I'm really hoping that some of these uh, there's a lot of beauty out here, you know, especially in the area I live. There's a lot of just like uncharted trails and stuff like that, and. But a lot of what you're saying with the first year is like, yeah, you just find other ways. Like you're gonna drive yourself crazy, and I think I feel like a lot of I know I had my experience with AmeriCorps, but I know a lot of people I was going through PST or the training. Not, if people aren't known to the many acronyms of the Peace Corps organization, um, a lot of expectations are super, super, super high. And a lot of people that had that, I mean, everyone has the reason. A lot of those people ET, which early terminated. But I think it's like if you can find things that like whether even if it's doing a secondary project or just like having spending a day like exploring like you need it you gotta take personal health days and you gotta take you gotta take days whether your your health your physical health is bothering your mental health and that's something that's like very I mean you don't you don't often get that in the U S but you can have you have that you have that um fluidity here what you're doing because you can really it's almost like not like a monk or something but you're really living you're living it twenty four seven. Like as an educator, when I and as an educator, as an educator, in um, when you're walking through the in the halls of the school in the U.S., the kids are always watching you. Like it's like a play with no backstage. Here, it's like a play with no backstage for like over two years. And people are people, and but at first it seems very constricting, and sometimes it does seem a little constricting. When people are like, "Oh, you're going to buy toilet paper again?" It's like you buy a lot of cheese, or like you buy a lot of girls. It's like or it's like I saw you lining at the park, or I saw you whining during carnival or something like that but also it is really helpful too when people are like i saw your back door was open and you help with it or like i had a break-in in my house and like people banned no one got hurt nothing got stolen mm-hmm. and um i got burglar bars and stuff like that but um i'm very lucky i know for some other volunteers within the ec and then within other parts of the world they're not always so lucky but um that constrictiveness is very i don't know i appreciate it now but definitely but when people see that you're here for the right reasons and not just as like a tourist to drink their rum and check out, there's not that many beaches here, check out whatever whatever they're selling that comes out of the countryside. I think they take you a lot more. Uh, they don't take you for granted. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, it's definitely been uh, the, I wholeheartedly enjoy the time that I've had just to like transfer from one project to another but also like sharing with people that get to visit or also like there's a lot of interconnectivity with the Peace Corps volunteers here so we'll help each other out in certain projects and stuff like that if you can we're we're lucky enough that we can Mm -hmm. so so in your service I know you've probably had hundreds of amazing memories that you you know really really enjoyed that are going to be the stories that you're going to tell you know for years to come but do you have one or two memories that really stand out to you um as being, you know, one of your favorites. And, and uh, 
anytime I've gotten to, my parents got to visit and my girlfriend's gotten to visit quite a few times. And then seeing, um, hopefully my parents get to visit again, but seeing, it's such a positive experience seeing like the people in the village or the community telling like my girlfriend, like, oh, you're back home again and stuff like that. Or like being able, even like I'm a thousand times more comfortable than when I first got here. And like now, like I can go to school. I, there are times that she's been there, I can go to school and she can stay at the house and stuff like that. And I guess a really good uh, time, specific one to that was like a, the recent graduation that we just had. And the grade six, when I was talking about that testing before, um, usually South Rivers has been one of the lower rated schools within the country. And then recently for this, um, the CPEA exam, which is based, it's the, it's like the SAT almost to get the kids in the secondary school. The kid, usually um, the school had, I guess maybe five, six years ago, a very low passing grade. And that's like above, not many kids were not, a lot of kids were failing the test. But this year, out of a uh, graduating class, and it was a really small graduating class, but it's first time in South Rivers history, it was a 100% pass rate. So that's a really big, that's a really big thing. And about like, I want to say seven or eight of those kids are going to those town schools in the capital. So that was a big, that was a big um, aha moment. And especially that like, I'm glad that uh, Caroline, my girlfriend, was able to like share that excitement because the graduation was crazy. The kids like organize the kids and stuff and stuff like that and it's cool to see like people herding goats and then kids walking with like a like a freshly made handmade like graduation gown or something like that so that this recent graduation that just happened was probably one of the highlights and it kind of made it clear that like i need to i need to i'm in here for the right reason like you got to use that you got to use that opportunity to keep going because not that not that the bar is raised, but I, I know like if someone came in fresh, it would be they'd have to go through a lot of issues I went through. So maybe save them a little bit of trouble and lay some more of that groundwork or whatever the school needs. And I guess that's a big one. Um, another really big one um, stands out in my mind. It was uh, I know I didn't I didn't send it into her, but uh, working with the national team my first year as here, and I I got connected through a Peace Corps volunteer. Who extended many many years, and she was from Philadelphia, and that's where I went. That's where I went to school outside in the Philly suburbs and served. But I also played rugby within there, and I saw that like the mutual friends I was coming in. I was like, oh, this person's in St. Vincent the Grenadines. I actually connected with her before I knew I was in St. Vincent, and uh, she was actually one of the reasons she talked to the APCD, and it's probably one of the reasons I ended up in St. Vincent. So it's kind of cool that like I love rugby, and I for various various reasons but i love the the communal sense like that because you leave it you play the game then you come together afterwards to do whatever so like it stays on the field and so uh, they had a big opportunity they actually had it was for the world cup the next uh the next rugby world cup in uh tokyo no yeah japan uh, it's gonna be all up in japan but they're having uh jamaica come in they're having the first world cup qualifying match of that tournament the qualifying matches in saint vincent so that was a really big day, not only for rugby on the sport, but also for the island and stuff. So it was cool to be helping with the uh, the training and the coaching and stuff like that. And though the game did not go well, like the uh, they, they did not they didn't win, but they they you couldn't say they didn't lay it out on the field. And it was really it was really something special because like they had like this world they brought the World Cup to the island, and I was like crazy. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I got, yeah, so I got to meet the guy who carries the World Cup to like place to place, and he's really funny. He's like, I hate my job. It's like, so you only get like one, 
he's like, I he doesn't hate his job. He's like, I only get like one carry on. He's like, this thing is super heavy. <laughs> and it's like, he'd be like super. And I was, it was like interactions like that. And he told me before the Peace Corps that like I get to play a sport I love. I get to do it with kids and I get to do it with like young adults and I get to check out other parts of the island and stuff like that. So that was a cool event. And then um, after that, trying to use the momentum from that within the youth program, especially within the village. And that was another thing that especially helps because a lot of people were at that. And then I would go into different communities and be like, oh, you were there at that. Or like, oh, I see you go. I see you coming to town often and leaving. Like you come in late and you leave late because there's not many. It requires you to come back late um, with the transport system. But like they, they, see, they see you not only within the community but the island as like someone doing some positive within it. So, yeah, that was, a, that was against Jamaica. And they, were really, they had a really good team. That was a good game. But... It was a cool day because also like a bunch of Peace Corps volunteers got to help. Some of them helped run the bar. Some of them helped do some other um, social things. And they had a, they had a big culminating line or just like a get together in the evening with both teams and everyone had helped out. And so that was a really, that was a really good time. And then, uh, but yeah, it's just trying to use those two experiences to just kind of keep the positive momentum going to the service. I have no doubt that it's going to keep moving. Uh, I'm feeling it. <laughs> it's gonna keep moving for the uh, the third and final lap. Mm-hmm. And then I guess on the opposite side of that, you know, what, what, oh, are, some yeah. the, what are some of those times, you know, that, that weren't so great? Those those, um, those memories that you hope to never to relive. Getting Zika was pretty pretty bad. Zika wasn't. I wouldn't recommend getting Zika. That was a that was a bad one. Um, just because I remember like. Getting sick, get, I've, I've gotten food poisoning a bunch of times, and I don't, I don't know what's like in other countries, but I was a joke. But I, like sometimes you get like stomach problems, or the food, the food standards aren't always the right, and maybe you gotta go to the bathroom somewhere that's not your house. But Zika didn't, Zika just knocks you out on your mm. back for like a week. And I'm lucky I didn't get dengue or anything like that. And there hasn't been anything this year, which is really good. But I remember like getting Zika. And like um, the way it is, like the you can get some. There are like rum shops in the community, and then there's like small shops, which is basically like akin to like a bodega or like a corner store, mm-hmm. something you'd see in like the U.S. Um, they don't make chopped cheese or anything like that, but you can usually get like certain like ground like staple food, like ground sometimes ground provision, uh, salt fish and stuff like that. But this was uh, they re- I didn't have any food at my house. I remember I had to. Uh, I live inland, so I don't really. I honestly don't get to eat fish that much. But sometimes like, I got lucky. They'll sell fish on, or like butcher stuff off the back of a truck. So when I had uh, when I had Zika, I had to buy fish, and I had usually they cut it for you. And the guy was in a rush or something. He, he wasn't able to do it. So I had all this fish, and I was like, "What the hell am I gonna do with this?" <laughs> and I was like, I was sick and in the back of my yard, like in the sun. Just like sweating and like all the fish guts all over me. That's some. That's a pain I really wouldn't run one on anyone's, <laughs> on anyone's conscious. Uh, in terms of like other, I mean that's that's probably the that was probably because that that lasted for a couple that lasted for a little bit over a week and that like that not you have to be pretty living in living here in the village. You're like always physically active, so like I was sore for like a while mm-hmm. after that. You make such positive human connections, like people watching out for you. When people found out I was sick, they they they're like, oh, you should have done this with the fish, and they helped me with that, or like asking local re- local recipes, or like your van drivers and conductors. Is, the the list is endless. The the positive interactions, I could probably count maybe on one hand the negative ones, maybe less than a couple fingers within my community. 
Um, but definitely it is a, I worry a thousand times more for my friends and the kids here because there is a big, within the islands, a big local drug trade within for like illegal marijuana usage. And then like, if they're taking that out, other stuff is coming in. And uh, we actually met, and that leads to a lot of, I mean, leads to a big reason why there is like a lot of poverty out there. You have this, you have people using drugs like, like cocaine and stuff like that, amphetamines and stuff like that, because the marijuana is being traded for that, and it leads to gun violence, stuff like that. And so I'm a thousand times more worried for my friends and my local community members. And so you have such great community interactions. There's a, there's a family that I was really close with when I came into the village, and she was very close with all the Peace Corps in the past prior to me. So, and you know that's always, I don't know if you had that experience, um, yet sometimes filling the shoes of the person before you or like they always said, they always, yeah, that's yeah. always, that's a, that's a very unique equa- equation. No, to yeah, deal the, with. The, the guy that I replaced apparently was like a language genius. So he knew, yeah. he, he knew French and like four local languages Yeah, and I came in and I like, I barely say my name. So it's just the like, guy, yeah. uh, the Peace Corps that was before me was like a, a basketball buff and I'm like, I'm short and stocky and a rugby player. I like, I get beat up for 80 minutes. So I was like, I was like, I couldn't, so I'll play defense. I'll make some nasty picks. Um, but <laughs> There's a family that I was really, really close with, and I came into the village, and uh, she was very close with like all the people. It was a grandmother, and so um, when I was talking about the Grenadine Islands, a lot of the cases there's not many work opportunities here within the island, so people got to work abroad. You got to work on cruise ships. You got to. It's really hard to get into the U.S. on a visa as an extension, but you can get into Canada. You can get into the U.K. We have people working for long stints at a time. There's a family, there's a boy, the, the boy is in secondary school, Sion. I'm really close with him. And it's just the, the course of the year, he had such great interactions, like going hiking with his family, like hanging with them, lying with them, just talk, just talking with people. I mean, like, it's, it's, you get to know, you get to know their stories and such. And, uh, but his, uh, his, his, his mother worked on one of the Grenadine, the Grenadine Islands and his dad is, his dad is separate from them, and there's a there's a lot of intricacies with family interplay and stuff like that. Um, it's just it's it's just different to the, our culture in the U.S. Not everyone has like a man and a wife. You know, you might have multiple families and such like that. But uh, that's a whole other thing. But you can't you can't you gotta withhold your judgment from that. But the uh, around this time last year, his grandmother got really sick and passed away. And so, like, he was kind of, his, him and his, sis, his sisters were kind of left on their own, like, fend for on their own. And parts of the community and parts of their family were able to pick them up and such like that. Or take care, a lot of people hop from aunts, tanties, or aunts, or uncles, or cousins, and such like that. But uh, I was lucky that, like, my family, my parents, when they visited, were able to meet. And, like, not, not necessarily, like, monetarily, monetarily, but just, like, being there for, like, counseling and stuff like that, trying to help through a time. Um, my grand, my grandmother passed away at a very similar time too, and I was actually really lucky on the Peace Corps. Uh, I was able to go home and be there for to see her before she passed away, and so all this stuff kind of happened at a close time. And so we cut then cut to a couple weeks ago. Um, a lot of the infra- talking about people working working abroad in the Grenadines, like some of these some of these they got to do with the support the families. Very grinding, and it's like the infrastructure is not always good, or like. Going between the islands, the ferry, the ferry can be kind of expensive. So sometimes people take um, private boats or smaller boats, and it's like terrible. Um, six people went down in a boat, very small, twenty-minute drive. And one of the people happened to be his mother, so that was just like 
that happened. That was oh, terrible. Wow. And that, that was around the same time as grandmother passed away. And it's the thing like you get like these amazingly positive human interactions that you'll never forget. And then you get the real reality. I'm sorry, this is getting really dark, <laughs> but, um, you get, it's, you get both of it. And it's, it is, it's, it is a gray. It's not light and dark. It's just, it's, it's a mix. And then, out of that, I mean, it was heartbreaking for me, my girlfriend, my parents, because I met, we met the, we met the mother many times, and I just like, oh my god. And then, uh, but it was, it was amazing to see uh, the community come together around that. They had a huge candlelight vigil. Um, he's really into, uh, he's really into biking, and I was able to help him connect with some people I know in the U.S. That like, when I, since I'm extending, I'll be hopefully be able to bring some biking supplies for him off of that. But then, like, the story isn't over. So then um, last Saturday, he was coming over to my house to grab some supplies for Carnival. He's in secondary school. He was around 16 years old. And he got hit by a car. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't be. It's crazy. And I was like, it's like, oh, my God. It's, like, terrible year. He didn't die, but he was, like, within, within like, we, the pictures, he could have died so easily. Because people, some people drive really safe, but some people drive really recklessly out here. And he didn't have his helmet on, so that and I found out about it. He was supposed to come to my house, and then I heard I didn't hear from him. So we were walking now. We were walking to actually get the the capital to get ready for carnival stuff, to um, meet with meet with people for someone's birthday, and then just like pick up supplies and stuff like that. And I walked past his aunt's house, and I was like, "Yo, you know where like uh, you know what brother is?" And he's like, "You, you didn't hear?" And I was like, and "I knew." And I was like, "Ah." So yeah, he got hit by a car like the minute he spoke to me. After he spoke to me. And so we were able, I'm, I was able to like get her num her phone number and then there's like, there's a hospital in the countryside mm -hmm. that like they usually take people for trauma and I was, I'm glad that, uh, it was a, it was a long day, but I'm glad we were able to check there and then they actually found that they took him to the Capitol. So we were going to the Capitol anyway and I was able to connect with his, his father and his sisters and such. And he's fine now. It's not, no surgery, no no nothing. Sometimes he didn't like. They thought sometimes when people have really bad leg injuries, there's a a keenness to kind of amputate or whatnot. He's gonna be he's, but he was really messed up and he's back at home now. But we were able to see him on Sunday. That happened on Sunday, and I'm talking to him over Facebook and stuff. But um, yeah, that that like I was saying earlier, this I'm much I'm a thousand percent more worried about my friends. And the people I'm connected with here, because like if anything bad happens here, like the Peace Corps will pull you out. <laughs> yeah. Like they'll send they'll send you they'll send you out. Oh, you got health you got healthcare. Like you'll get um, like I've gotten I know like when we've done the conferences, they do a lot of the conferences in St. Lucia. Like I had a leg a leg injury, and they were I was able to get X-rays and stuff like that. A lot of the stuff here, it's like it's, it's dependent on the local clinic if there's a local clinic and if it's open and stuff like that. You can, you hear stories of. You hear tons of stories of people not making it in time mm -hmm. or whatnot, but yeah, that's definitely been that was that's probably the most recent toughness that's been happening, like tough spot. But it just shows that like people people react to people react to death here much differently than we do. For the the funeral that I had we had for my grandmother was night and day considered to any West Indian funeral I've been here. Because here it's something almost like you'd see in New Orleans or like it's a huge parade. Mm -hmm. Like a whole village, like thousands of people, people from other communities come like that. And they set up vending and people people make a lot of money off of them and stuff like that. But it's like a celebration. 
and it's 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 something that I definitely appreciate. I'm aware of so much more here. Is that like it's not 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 in like a dark perspective, but people are their livelihoods are much tied to reality of like life and death out here. Whether and that's only in the EC. I can only imagine in parts of the world where you have like major food droughts or major like conflict areas and stuff like that, or areas of the Peace Corps where they've had to pull out for like a coup or a revolution or something like that. And so it just shows you, like, it's, I mean, there is a, the initial sense of guilt, but there's, like, if you're lucky to feel guilt, that means, like, you're alive. And if you're lucky to feel alive, that means you could do something. And if you're already in the Peace Corps, or you're already, it doesn't, you don't even need to be in the Peace Corps to bring about, like, positive social change. But, like, it kind of shows that, like, any step you take to bringing something good around, whether it's in your community or the people around you, is something that's, oh, it's going to, it's going to be for the better. So... It's definitely, uh, it's definitely putting, it's putting the uh, fuel under my, fuel under my butt to keep, keep pushing forward. Well, I, I definitely wish you the best in your, in your third year. But to, to end out the show, I usually like to yeah, ask uh, everybody if they have a favorite quote or a local saying that they would like yeah. to share uh, with everybody. Yeah, I'm probably gonna embarrass myself because my Vinci dialect isn't always the best. But a really simple one is this. Uh, if someone's like, how are you doing? Say like, me day. So I'm, I'm good. Me, me day is like, I'm good. And so like, that's a Vincentian dialect, which is like totally verbal and stuff like that. But me day or like, you say like, oh yeah, me day, me day, I'm good, I'm good. Or like, Irie is like something that's more akin to like Jamaican patois. But it's just like a super simple, like local way of saying like, I'm good. And you you hear that all over, with it, whether it's up in the countryside or down in the capital of Kingstown and it's kind of just like a very Vincey way of saying like yeah I'm good I'm good and people usually people if you ask someone if you're good they'll be like yeah I'm good it's like if they're, if they're bad they're like oh no I'll tell you straight up and we'll spend like a couple <laughs> we'll spend a handful of time talking about it mm-hmm. so yeah. that's a good that's a good thing just like I don't know just appreciating what you have but also just like it's it shows that like you, they're there to listen to you if, you if something's going on okay me day yeah, yeah me day well, uh, thank you very much for, for sharing yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this conversation has been very good. So, you know, so I, I, yeah. I, I thank yeah, you for, for taking the time. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we were able to, to speak, you know, even you being in the, in the Peace Corps in the field right now. So that's been yeah. a definite pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for doing this, man. I think it's a good, uh, this is a good, out, good outlet and a good opportunity for the other people out there that are interested. Mm-hmm. So thank you, man, for this. No, thank you. It's been a, been a great conversation. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Once again, if you want to stay better connected with me and the My Peace Corps Story podcast, head on over to MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. If you want to know more about my personal Peace Corps story, please check out my new book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. Every volunteer has a story. What's yours? What's yours?